When you like a tweet about Caden Braden Graden on Wednesday, and by Thursday he's on an MLS discovery list, it's not so MLS. <laughs> Your North American Soccer mm. Podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, I I very much enjoyed the the tweet by at Whiskey Ty saying MLS absolutely bangs because. Every week, a 17-year-old named Caden Braden Graden will pull out some world-class shit out of nowhere, and then literally Gonzalo Iguain will miss a sitter. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's correct. It that's is correct. correct in every, that's correct in every way, and I, and I applaud it, and I'm here for it. <laughs> and we like to applaud that kind of thing here at That's Some MLS. <laughs> oh, a busy, that... busy uh, stretch of games. Both of us forgot that there was midweek games. That was somehow, that was somehow only, that tweet was somehow only like the seventh most important thing that happened in the middle of the week in MLS. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think the the biggest sort of news story, unfortunately, is this silly Columbus SC rebrand that just sort of came out of nowhere, and seemingly for no real reason, and as has happened a couple of times when MLS clubs have rebranded for no real reason, was immediately met with much revolt. Yeah. And I mean, like, you're right to say that this is not the only one. Many people have pointed out the Chicago Fire changed their badge and they're already doing it again for 2022. Yeah. The, you know, CF Montreal dropped their extra name. Um, But of course, I think there's extra emotionality at, at all times with Columbus and we I feel for you uh pals in Columbus because you keep getting this nonsense piled upon you I think I've seen uh, a few people say that like you know in the grand scheme of things you know <laughs> they've been through worse but it's just such a slap in the face to be like well we're tech we're gonna it, the crew will always be a key part of our identity we're just not calling our we've just dropped it from the name and also we're changing the logo to this like dumb hockey logo uh, there's this with no consultation as always <laughs> there's this total it's a total it feels like a total like like marketing office or like branding like boardroom level of concern that doesn't really like talk about any of the people who like like it doesn't really relate to what's going on on the field or in the stands at all um because i mean there's a lot of things going on with this uh, the, if you talk about just like the design of the logo, they say mm-hmm. that the, 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 the weird shape of it, the flag like shape of it is because they're worried that now there are too many flags. There are too many MLS badges that are circles now, but Columbus was the first one. It's still the, like, like one of the, not obviously not the first, it's also but just... w- what is, Columbus like, started that trend in 2017, and it was the better, or like in 2016, and it was the better one. Yeah. What were it's you going to say? I was just going to say, it's such a, like, just boneheaded, like, marketing thing to be like, what we've got is too many circles. How do we change this up? People people won't understand that we're a different team if we also have a circle logo. Like, give your fans a little bit of credit to be able to tell the difference between all the different little circles at the top of MLSsoccer.com also helps it's in alphabetical order. But, like, 
to, I'd go a step further. It's just ego. It's ego of millionaire owners and billionaire owners that are not content to just come in and be a part of a tradition and win trophies. They also need to put their own personal brand and stamp on it and deviate from that history. And, like, it's I'm not going to die on the hill of changing logos and changing names. I, at the end of the day, I just think it's dumb and a waste of everyone's time. And also is not something I've never, ever heard a supporter, even once, ever, be like, I just hate our team's logo, and I just wish we'd change our name and our logo. Like, (laughs) fans always just embrace what they have, and if it's kind of silly, you embrace that. But, like, it is such an American and North American thing of, like, you've constantly got to be rebranding to be relevant, where it's like, well, why not build a tradition of winning soccer games and having an amazing club, which you've done? <laughs> like, well, there's this thing. Isn't that this, why you bought this team? There's this thing, Pat Murphy, M- Pat Murphy of Massive Report, the SB Nation uh, Columbus site, uh, reported that those inside the club were worried about another big change after the after the big turnover, but the idea that focusing on Columbus was a better quote global brand won out. Is 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 part of the thinking, and and it's certainly something that we saw with. Um, it's certainly something that we saw with Montreal in terms of dropping their like nickname to try and go for a more like global look. But this is one aspect of it. Is I love that you say, "Well, we can't look like everybody else, so we have to have a unique logo." And then also, "Well, we have to sound like everyone else, or else it'll be weird." It's it's silly. I mean, it should be. They changed. Um, they did change their logo in 2014, right? From the the dudes in the hard hats to yeah. So Precourt Precourt was the in the Precourt era was when we got the new round logo that has the checks, right. which I think are based on like flags that are are hung in the in the supporter rant. Yeah. So it was like a it was like a supporter driven design, and then. I understand there's a design to, desire to maybe move past that, but one of the other issues um, in a piece in The Athletic talks about this, right, is that there was very little, there was very little um, actual uh, follow-up with the supporter groups themselves. You know, mm-hmm. the Nordecki said that nobody, no fan had had... had um, consulted on it. Well, that's we learned through this athletic piece that um, there were three stages of consult of, of you know sort of focus grouping they did with people in and out, people who were weren't fans in Columbus and outside of Columbus. And one of the things you know, elevating the crew concept was one of the things that came out of that process. And mm-hmm. apparently, in the third step of doing that. They did get two people that were on the board of that organization um, to participate, but they NDA'd them. Mm. So the people that were on the board were legally prevented from telling the other people on the board that the club was going to change its name when the board itself was all called into a meeting on the Friday. Wow. So there are two people at the table that are like Lando Calrissian who know that they're about to go meet Darth Vader. It's just, it's one of those things where I'm like, 
the frustrate the most frustrating thing is like none of this was necessary. This achieved nothing, and if anything, it just really disenfranchised a lot of fans for nothing. And it's just it's blind ego to think that like well I'm gonna become I'm gonna be able to come up with something so good the fans won't even <laughs> care that we didn't consult because it's just gonna blow them away. This like little pendant shape with a C in it. <laughs> like, I have. I have a, a the the take that I have. There is also one other detail from that uh, that uh, athletic piece that I want to mention. And this is this is like the emotionality of it. What this is what matter. Okay, I'll make my I'll make my point, which is people have been wanting to comp- compare this because it, it is another aspect of of fan protest in football to the to the um, outpouring of concern about the Super League, mm-hmm. and I think that the number one thing. That I think the, the the way to do that in the in the through line that I think that exists between these two issues is this idea that you saw between there was the journalist I can't remember his name right now but um, the one who's tweeting about how uh, so, I think Perez or something was com- was concerned about um, you know we got to have shorter games we got to have you know somebody an unnamed source was talking about. Uh, you know, we're not concerned about the fans that exist. They're legacy fans. We're concerned about the fans that don't exist yet. And it's right. like, I understand looking at the the wide population of people who maybe pick up a copy of FIFA once a year or click like on a GIF of Lionel Messi or Neymar yeah. right? and thinking, oh, how can we make those people our people? But the thing is, is that the only way to do that is by making soccer games fun to go to mm-hmm. and fun to, and making the process of being a fan fun. Like, like that's, I think what, like, like being a supporter is fun. And in my experience is more fun than it was when I was a fan of hockey. And that's like, like I think that that is something that is unique about this sport and should be treasured about this sport. Is yeah. that being a supporter is fun. And MLS has this issue where it has had a ratings issue because it has proven challenging to to turn that the in stadium experience into a televised experience and to, to make it as yeah. fun and as, you know something that that that, that people can participate in at home, I think mm-hmm. is has been a problem has not been the easiest thing for MLS to do. But I honestly think that creating that atmosphere of, of fun and, and, and honoring people's memories and like making it, a tra- like, like you say, like sort of dealing with traditions is the way to grow support for football. Not thinking, oh, well, should I like this team because it has crew at the end because it's a, a U.S. Like, you shouldn't be, I understand the desire to to appeal to a global audience, but your team well, almost got... Let's be real. You know, the majority of people, who, if, if you're new to soccer, pick their team based off of a team who's winning at that point in time. They yes! Look at, they look at the table and they see, like, roughly who's in the top four. And, you know, at best, maybe someone will shop around for a little bit and watch a few of those teams play and see if they like the playing style a bit more. And there's nothing wrong with that approach. Like, that that's a... To- how I got into soccer like it's usually a much more simple process that draws you in but as you said you're drawn into 
stories you're drawn into um the club supporter groups like those are the things that draw people in not it, it just it's so disambiguated from the larger picture and also you have all these you've got in Columbus especially you've got supporters groups that like will go to die for their team if you want to improve ratings and bring new fans in like engage them in that process don't think that you could, you've, you're like well I know what the problem is and then try to quote unquote solve it and then just up angry end up angering everyone it's it's stupid here's a story it. from that here's a story from that athletic article uh Friday's meeting was the first time most of the me- members of the Nordec board, I don't know if it's Nordec or Nordecki, please feel free to correct me. I think it's Nordecki. Um, many of whom played significant roles in the Save the Crew movement that helped keep the MLS club in 2018, in club as a 2018, were told of a rebrand. They didn't take the news well. One member became so incensed that he ripped off his shirt in the middle of the meeting to review a tattoo, reveal a tattoo of Columbus's now defunct former crest. Quote, he took his shirt off, kind of pointed to his chest, to the crest, and was like, this is what we saved. This is the crew. What am I supposed to do with this? You just took this away from us. Wow. Said now former Nordecki creative director Ethan McKinley, who was at the meeting on Friday and resigned from his position on Monday afternoon. Fuck. That from Stan- Sam Stetchkel. Cool work, and- guys. Great, great, <laughs> great stuff. I hope you enjoy... I, ho- I hope... <laughs> Hope you kept the receipt <laughs> to the marketing firm. Um, oh okay, too much time about a, a, a rebrand. Um, in other Columbus news, well, former Columbus news, Zach Steffen has officially become the first American to win the Premier League title with Manchester City. Congratulations to Zach Steffen. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations, Zach Steffen. At first I was like, surely not the first American. Like, he can't be the only, but turns out that's the case. Well, think of who, like, you know, some of the best... I mean this in the, with the with the biggest. With well, the, then I with remember the Landon love. Donovan played for Everton. So yeah, some <laughs> of the best known some of the best known American Premier League players played for like Fulham. Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> we just both thought of Clint Dempsey at the same time, didn't we? <laughs> um, also, never. Uh... Oh man, who am I thinking of? Marcus Hanneman at Reading. Oh, <laughs> um, there's a deep cut. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yes, Columbus, all of this news broke while Columbus was winning to nothing, by the way. Right. <laughs> and and I was, like, I was shocked. Okay, so we can, we can, so we can chat about that. Let's chat about that now. Because they had, uh, let me find that in my notes. Where'd it go? They had a great, they had a great game against, against DC on, on, uh. On Sunday, while or on Saturday, while the yeah, while they were getting <laughs> while the ship was wasn't on the Sunday. Was it on? Yeah, I think that I was. Might it, that, that I think the Columbus played Saturday, and I think the announcement came out Sunday, if I'm recalling correctly. Or the leak came out, or did the leak come out Saturday, and the announcement was made on Sunday? That All I know is that the free kick from Zellerian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it was a it was a good game. D- disappointing from DC. I think this one was their third straight loss, maybe fourth straight not winning. Um, if I have that correct, if I don't, I apologize. Um, but yeah, I, I really I thought like thoroughly professional outing from Columbus. They looked really good. They didn't look terribly troubled in this game. Um, yeah, this free kick from Zellerayan that just sort of like loops over the wall <laughs> and in was just. 
It was good to see, you know, Zellerian, we obviously are big fans of him here, and he is an incredible talent, but hasn't had the best start to the season so far, um, which I think can broadly be said of a lot of players as they um, get back up to speed. Then um, Zardes knocks a ball off Briant, who's just, like, in the wrong place at the wrong time, but, like, probably needed to be there. But the, he uh, he really doesn't know much about it. The ball just comes out, I think, off the goalkeeper and hits him in the chest and goes in. And he's just like, whoa. Zardes, um, Zardes uh, raises the question, you know, um, how do you score two goals and no goals? <laughs> he sure does. I feel like this has been a thing with him, no? Like, I mean, obviously Zardes is no stranger to scoring goals, but he always gets a few that aren't actually credited to him. They're just coming off of other players, but it's sort just of Just due his to doing. his danger. Just the danger of his presence. Truly. Well, and, you know, putting balls on frame. Sometimes you just need to get in the mix and poke away at it and hope for a lucky deflection. Um, Then... Former Columbus man Ola Kamara comes on and he scores and makes it 2-1. He jumps up and celebrates and then upon landing, his celebration remembers, oops, this is against my former club and <laughs> sort of winces and, <laughs> and then like, sh- nice. like pushes, waves his teammates away. It is nice. And I, I, I sort of liked the like realistic reaction and then the like correction of behavior of like, oh, yeah, right. Okay. Mm, just doing what I do. Hey, guys. <laughs> And then uh, this the ball that gets whipped in. This time, I think it's off Alfaro and in. Um, I just like DC's goalkeeper's got to communicate here. Like the, the defenders just seem to be swarming him and are, are tr- not really seemingly in any organized pattern in the box. Um, it was not a particularly good outing for DC, but I thought you know overall pretty solid performance from Columbus. It seems like people are happier over there in uh, in the District of Columbia um, in, under the new reign of Hernan Losada. But what they are not so far in this uh, in this new MLS season is like together as a team. No, yeah, it, it does seem all a bit disjointed. I mean, I, I think that the pieces are there for the most part. Um, you know, when you look at DC's lineup and their bench, you think like this is a good squad like there's no reason why this club can't compete but it does seem all a bit disjointed should mention as we speak i think the final whistle just went on their game against chicago which they won so a really really important result for dc united and the two teams with the biggest losing streaks so far dc was able to snap that one and chicago remains um not so much doing those things Another team that got their first win of the season was Minnesota. Boo. Playing against Vancouver Whitecaps at home. The big, beautiful honk. Uh, the big, beautiful honk rang out. Uh, it seems like I didn't get the chance to have the best eyes on this um, last night. But, or, or sorry, on, uh, yeah, last night. And, um... But it seemed like this was one where there were a bunch of chances for the Whitecaps. Um, people seem happier about the the amount of like defensive or, or sorry like, like like offensive chances the Whitecaps have. But it's Minnesota that are able to put theirs their opportunity away, and it still just seems like a challenge for the Whitecaps 
to move the ball up the pitch when they really need to. Yeah, I agree. I thought there was really good moments in this one. First of all, I should say that like Minnesota came out and uh, I think struggled at times through still struggling through different phases of the game, but overall I thought Minnesota played a lot better than we've seen and it it sort of felt like Adrian Heath lit the fire underneath them. So it should be said that, you know, Minnesota I felt like played much more to the to their level than they have been and that was to be expected. And also what Mark Dos Santos had said pre pregame that like no we're i know minnesota (laughs) well enough to know this is going to be a a really difficult game Uh quite apart from the fact that they're winless in four um i thought um alexandre man that name's gonna mess me up um and then dahomey as well both i thought they looked really really good um alexandre's balls through the middle just some really incisive passing you're starting to see what he's all about um you know ultimately i i I can't be too too disappointed because there's very few mls clubs that are winning back-to-back games let alone weekend and then midweek games so i'm not overly worried about this performance um the 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 thing for me was that you know it comes down to kind of one mistake again and that and that's disappointing because that cost us a lot last season is just mistakes it's not getting outplayed it's just you know a lapse from cornelius who's just not tight enough on his man in the box um and is able to score and i'm not trying to be overly harsh to the young center back but you know, people have been crying out for him to have a starting spot because of his um, experience on the national team. And I'm sorry, I just, I don't see it there. I am I think that he's an, a great center back and he's got a, a lot of room to grow in that. But we've seen this a few times now where the, the marking is just not quite all there. Wonderful athleticism. He had a number of interceptions and blocks and, you know, overall a, a pretty good performance from him. But that's the thing when you have such a young squad, right? It's like the guys are going to make mistakes. And against a team like Minnesota, even though they've not been in form, cost us three points. You make a good point. And sometimes it's challenging in those games where it feels like not a lot it comes together um, to feel as good. But, but Vancouver did have a great result against Montreal uh, on the weekend. The 2-0 yeah. win. Yeah, certainly, and and that's the the other context to this, right? Is that a a pretty hot Montreal team um, that has been really hard to defend against? I I thought we played really really well. I didn't honestly, I wasn't really looking forward to this game, and I thought Montreal <laughs> had points that they looked like they could really run away with it. Um, Dahomey looked great. Dahomey looked so good. Yeah, and and especially like again in back to back games, uh, the fitness is there. To see on Wednesday the amount that he was running and stripping the ball off of defenders, like he looked like he hadn't played in two weeks and was well rested. So that's really promising. Um, a lot of early pressure from Montreal in this one. Um, I know Montreal were without Brogiard. Oh, another starting player whose name is eluding me at the moment. But um, it kind of felt like, you know. If not for Cripo in that first half, Montreal could have been up 2-0. Um, he had a, a really outstanding game. 
And then uh, Kamal Miller just bowls over Dahomey, who's clearly looking for it because he tried the same thing minutes earlier, but it is a foul. And then from the spot, Dahomey makes it 2-1, so or one nothing rather. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought kind of fortuitous. Um, you know, he does get fouled in the box, but it was pretty clear that Vancouver was pushing to get uh, a free kick close to the box or a penalty in the box at that point. So not super surprising. And then it's Dahomey again, who, I mean, Dahomey is not a big dude, but somehow he manages to get a free header in the box and makes it to nothing and kind of sends Montreal packing without too much more to say about this game. I felt. So we covered, you know, the DC got their first win. Uh, Minnesota got their first win. Could it, It's almost strange to say Portland got their first win this weekend as well. That's right. <laughs> so we can we could sometimes we could sit around all day and be like, oh man, so rough, so rough for Minnesota, so rough for DC. But Portland have had a sneakily challenging start for themselves, um, but they had a great result against Seattle. Did they? They had uh, that was a didn't I have it? Was it a tire? No, that was a win, right? No, Seattle beat Portland. Oh, what am I saying? What am I saying? What am I saying? I, That's okay. See, I don't think they played on the weekend, and then they played Wednesday, and they lost. Oh, they did play on the weekend, but I just didn't write oh. the actual scoreline. I didn't write the scoreline in my note, but I looked at my note to see how many people I thought scored. Oh, I see. Okay. Who did Portland? I missed that game then. Who did they play? Uh, Portland, uh, on Wednesday, Portland played... I don't, know, I don't think Portland played on Wednesday, actually. They did. They played Seattle. Portland played Seattle on Sunday. Oh, shoot. Okay, well... That was that not was... a week... That was not a midweek game because... Because, okay, we could get... We could get down to it. We could get down to Seattle's, you know, week like this. Sports what am I... Hard. What am I saying that... That Shane O'Neill uh, takes down a Bobasi early in this Portland game... But Fry saves Valeri off the line. Was he off the line in this in, in this penalty? I think probably. This is in the this is in the Seattle game. The retake comes off the post and hits Valeri, who puts it in, who who fires it in. But I guess there's a rule that says that off the penalty kick, you can't play the ball again until another player touches it. And somehow. If the yeah, exa- right, yeah. So if the goalkeeper the, touches it, then it's fair game. But if it comes off the post, it's not. That feels. I feel that we should designate if the away goal is one half of a goal, the post should be one half of a player. <laughs> I, feel. I feel. I'm fine with it. I feel like there was a much drama made about this uh, this whole PK fiasco, and I was just sort of dreading watching the game and. And I saw it, and I was like, I don't think there's much in this. I think everything kind of unfolded as it should have. Sucks, but I guess, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> if that's the rule, that's the rule. Um, I think it's a little bit unfortunate because, obviously, it ended up being uh, no goal for Portland. I, I kind of felt like the initial penalty, like, it's there, but, again, he's sort of searching for it, so... Sure, give the penalty, but I don't think it's unfair to have missed it. So Seattle, so Seattle uh, scores two. Uh, I believe both of them are okay. Seattle gets a penalty from Rui Diaz, and Montero scores on a free kick. 
They win this game 2-1. Um, but a little bit, you know, a little bit with this, you know, this, this, this feel of drama on them. And then they come to San Jose. And that was what, by all, atten- uh, by all accounts, a, 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 um, a tense one to watch because Seattle has given a, uh, Seattle has given a call for handball in 15 minutes. It seems contextually unclear because the the player's hand is in front of them. So yeah, I I feel like when you, I mean, as we know, the the rules have been ever changing, but he's got his hand tucked in against his body, and the ball is fired at him from like three feet away at his body. I think the argument is, well, what what else is he supposed to do with his hand unless it's stick it out, which then puts it in an unnatural position. So. He, like, his arm has to go somewhere. <laughs> it definitely hits his hand, but I think it would be a pretty harsh PK shout. Baldomero Toledo comes to this conclusion as well. Um, yep. And, uh, and uh, the, the, the thing is, is called off. Uh, Marsh Kautsky bobbles, a, 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 bobbles the ball on a clearance, and it bobbles the ball and it's cleared out to Christian Raldown, who whips it home, tremendous goal. Sure does. Um, Real good. It really feels, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of chances coming in on Fry, and then he pushes a corner over. He uh, he looks aside a strike by Cade Cowell. He pushes a corner over the bar. There's some yikes collisions with him from Seattle from San Jose, who seem to be getting pretty physical on the on the on the on the forecheck, as it were. But then, unfortunately, I'm. Just a, a really horrendous looking collision with his own player, Shane O'Neill. Yeah. He's coming up to get across and, and Shane O'Neill kinda collapse, like, you know, um runs into I believe his left thigh yeah. and like spins him around so he lands on it and immediately he looks fucking he looks awful. Yeah. And as like Stefan Fry is like <laughs> he may play for the Sounders, but like that guy does not go down easy. Like he's a, a warrior and i mean that kind of look of pain on his face says to me it's not good i haven't seen any update but i just hope it's not any knee ligament damage and it's just a soft tissue knock on the the thigh or something or maybe you know like a almost like a dead leg thing but he he came off and couldn't put any weight on it which says to me it's probably not good but obviously we're we're sending our thoughts his way hope it's nothing too too serious I will say Alex Roldan had to come in and did a great <laughs> job, made a great save. So, Fry, um, Fry posted it is what it is on 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 social media apparently, so that could mean anything. Oh, well, that doesn't sound too promising. Uh, um, but Alex Roldan, you're right, first field player to play a goal in Seattle Sounders history apparently. They, oh, uh, so they say. Great. Yeah, I thought I thought it looked good. Is there anything the Roldans can't do? <laughs> like, <laughs> just. I also want to say that I thought this was well fought from San Jose. They look like they've finally figured out their system. um, And they're, I thought, overall, you know, a little more traditional defending, um, especially in the right moments, especially against a team like Seattle. I I felt like this is a big uh, win for San Jose, at least in terms of this kind of performance and also coming off of their earlier win. Um, I, yeah. I'm or later win. I can't remember, but overall, San Jose seems like they've kind of like turned the page a little bit and 
you know, a mixture of defending styles is really freeing them up to be much more effective attacking team. I thought they had good chances. It just maybe wasn't clinical enough. But five games in, you know, San Jose's sitting pretty far up there in the the Western table. Not that it means a lot at this point, but it's a great position to be in early on, especially for just, they've just struggled so, so, so much. Um, it, It feels good to see them, you know, finally have some things go their way. They're currently sitting in second, just below Seattle in the West. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the second second in the West, second in the league. You know, that's not, you know, especially heading into the season, I think it would have been a, a, a surprise to a lot of people if, to have put them there. Yeah. If, if you know, we can get two retakes on that penalty in the first Seattle game of the week, I'm going to retake this, okay? All right, here we go. So, so D.C. got their first win of the season. <laughs> and Minnesota got their first win of the season. The club you would be surprised got their first win of the season was Philadelphia. Yeah. Who was also playing Chicago. Correct. Sorry. I'm for the viewers or viewers, listeners at home scrolling through endless notes when there's midweek games. <laughs> Just like where are we? Who yeah. are we play? What day are we on? So Chicago's now winless in five, is that correct? Or have they lost five straight, or are they just winless? They, they're just was... winless. They have drew, they drew once. They've lost four and drew once. Whew, not the start they were hoping for down there. Not so much. Yeah, and a really important MLS win for Philadelphia, who I thought, despite good uh, CONCACAF league form, have kind of been struggling to generate goals in MLS, um, but not on this day. I liked the early pressure from Philadelphia. I thought overall Chicago looked pretty up to the challenge for the most part in the first half, but they just, overall, I feel like Chicago spends so much time defending in the game. I feel like Chicago and last year's Whitecaps are kind of a a similar analogy of like, you can be good at defending, but if you're defending the entire game, at some point they're going to wear you down. And that's not really an effective strategy against a team like Philadelphia. No, because that that's ultimately like they have so much, they have so many um, potential ways to come at you. Uh, and in this, in the case of their first goal, it's uh, Montero cuts back for Corey Burke, uh, who gets it this time Be- uh, yeah. in the 51st minute. Beautiful ball I have here. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh wonderful ball in and and again like the the pressure that philadelphia is able to put on teams and just overload the channels throw a ton of players forward and still maintain a really cohesive shape like they the whole team knows when they're going in for it and um i i I really like seeing that that setup it reminds me a little bit of atlanta from years past where it's just like when it's on (laughs) the the taps are open and they're just gonna flood you with players and runs into the box. Well, and you know, Chicago's just slow to react again. It's not that it's wholesale bad or there's super egregious mistakes. It just, they're, they're kind of second best to every challenge. And especially in the second half, it just feels like the foot comes off the gas and they're sort of resigned to the fact that they're just going to defend and hope for the best. But like, I'm not clear on what the idea is to get, to get out of that. Yeah, um, I think that they, that's one thing where they're also in the position of just having to like, and, and it's tough to be in, the, you, 
you hate to this early in the season find yourself thinking, oh man, this is this whole thing is this whole year is going to be a soul searching year, huh? Yeah, especially when you know the only thing keeping them off of dead last above Cincinnati is one extra goal, but five games, three goals, ten goals conceded. That that's that's bad. <laughs> you know, like it's a it's a weird year. Chill soccer. We've Chill seen soccer. teams Chill come soccer. back and and perform well. And overall, like watching Chicago, I don't go, "Wow, this team sucks." I just sort of, I'm like, "Can do you guys just need like extra Wheaties or something? Like, just get into the mix a little bit more. Like, you don't have to let every team dictate the the entire game." Um, and I don't mean to diminish the efforts of of what they're trying to do at Chicago. It just I don't feel like it's it's working, and I don't think I'm the only one who would say that. Anyway, Gleznez is, the, is able to, to finish um, after a ball comes into the box from range. It's 2-0. Not many chances for Chicago. Big win for Philadelphia. Philadelphia then drop a, just, you know, come to a draw with New England in midweek. Yeah, and I was saying earlier before we started the show that the midweek games were kind of like, you know, a bit routine. <laughs> some of them didn't yeah. have a lot in them. This was one. I thought it was like some half chances. Um, there are, I will say there's a lot of goals being scored this year that are just um, by balls getting crossed in and then coming back out to the top of the box where, you know, and there's an arriving midfielder um, to play it in as happens here till Bunbury scores. And then there's just a really weird goal at the end where it's not dealt with by Turner. The ball goes away up in the air, and then Shabilko scores with his head or his body or some force of nature. So they split the points. Not terribly exciting. I felt like this was a, a good point for New England, though. Um, they've been doing all right. Um, but I thought that was a overall, like, you know, getting a point midweek out of a pl- team like Philadelphia, that's that's not nothing to turn your nose up at. Not nothing to turn your nose up about. Um, Rail Salt Lake hosted San Jose on the weekend, and uh, I think this was the this was the odd game where somehow San Jose won through a brace from Chris Wondolowski, and yet the only thing anyone wants to talk about is Rubio Rubin's <laughs> bicycle kick goal. It's true. Rubin's goal is just uh, so good. Um I read a good piece about, I think it was just on MLSsoccer.com, but about how um, Landon Donovan really found him out and kind of gave him the confidence to say, all right, we got five games in our playoff push with San Diego Loyal. Like, you're going to play every single game and you're going to be the guy up top and had, you know, a really, really difficult journey um, of, of not playing for teams and not knowing if he's even going to get paid and... Um, really sort of a, a wandering striker without a lot of options. And it's great to see USL providing more opportunities for players like that, that it, they're on MLS's radar because yeah, w- what a revelation he's been for real Salt Lake. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> as good um, as he is and as beautiful as his goals are, he's plays in the same dang conference. Um, Red Bull, New York do not play in the same conference and they, they uh, dealt with Toronto pretty easily, it seems. Yeah, <laughs> for this one, um, Chris Armis's TFC side look a bit like his aimless New York Red Bulls side, while Red Bulls just <laughs> seem to be hitting their stride. <laughs> 
had to like double check this note numerous times because it's like, wait, Chris Armas currently is coaching for TFC. It just doesn't fit in my brain yet, but um, and and TFC just uh, just uh, acquired Kamar Lawrence, right? So, yeah. so and Dom Dwyer as well is uh, is 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 moving to Toronto, which means he's moving to Orlando. Do we know that the Dom Dwyer Again. thing is happening? I thought I heard. I thought I heard it is a signing, but if I'm wrong, I, I'm not. Uh... I looked into it, and I guess what had happened was in TFC's last Champions League, somebody had screen captured Dom Dwyer coming off the bench and celebrating a goal, and so I think TFC confirmed that he has been training with them, which now people have taken to mean on trial. But the key piece here is Dom Dwyer previously played for Orlando, still lives in Orlando. Sidney LaRue lives in Orlando. TFC's playing in Orlando. So I, I think it's just a training stint to keep the legs fresh. I'll say this. I hope it's that because <laughs> I think Dom Dwyer <laughs> is a lot of things, but the solve to TFC's current problems, he is not. Uh, so the, all due so... respect, but I, I think he's a, a problem player that, you know... Doesn't have a great personality, it seems, at times, um, and is also prone to injury and, like, seems like an expensive way to get four or five goals in a season. So Steve Buffery of the Toronto Sun said signed. Ooh. Which is where I saw it, but I could be wrong. But, but, Wait, in but, the Toronto Sun? If, um, hmm. So that, that's where that's where, that's where where I saw it. Um, I could I see other... Oh yeah, and they they posted it on their club site. Did they? As well, well it's on, okay, it's on TorontoFC.ca. Um, Damn but I think. It. Welcome to the city, Dom Dwyer. I'm sure you're gonna do. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, signed through 2022, according to TorontoFC.ca. Um, and uh, but I do think that it means a lot that that you're not off the you're not off the mark in terms of like how are you. How often do you... Well, I mean, everybody's working remotely from home. So yeah. I guess this is an opportunity where you take a job in Toronto and you don't have to move from your from your city. He's working <laughs> from home! <laughs> I love this. I love it. I take everything back. Uh, this, is, this is great. We'll get him a standing desk. Um, oh, man. I wish, it's just like, oh man, I'm so excited to join the team. I'll show you around to all my favorite places. I can't. <laughs> ask Sydney oh, LaRue, ask Sydney LaRue in the Orlando Pride about uh, visiting Orlando area bars before. Uh, oh. Well, oh. LaRue didn't do it. I should, I should clarify LaRue didn't do it, but I'm sure LaRue is, LaRue knows all about teammates going to bars in scenarios where they should not be yeah. doing it. Oh, it joined three days ago. What is going... Well, they really didn't promote that well, and maybe for good reason. Anyway... <laughs> but, um... but the point... Back to the point we were making is that Armis... Armis, who seemed to have been, you know, remaking it into a a, a, a lookalike of his, his New York Ripple size, has also signed Kamar Lawrence yeah. away from Eintracht Frankfurt. And, like, I think Kamar Lawrence is great. I think that's a good signing. Um, you and I talk know... all the time about why can't the Whitecaps sign... Like good MLS players, <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. bad. But like, but like, if we're always. It feels like every team is always trying to like find these the like deal? find me these like you know amazing diamonds in the rough from you know 
Brazil or whatever, and it, certainly it seems that I is it. Am I wrong in saying that we are seeing a huge uptick in signings from uh, the the Brazil top division? Oh no, that's that is a well known fact because um, Brazil, as we know, has struggled a lot this year, and uh, a lot of clubs are struggling to pay their players. So I think there's been a pretty big exodus of players, and if anything, I think we're probably just at the beginning of that wave but yeah i think a lot of clubs are focused on you know who's the player we can sell on you know like we want them to come in and perform for a year or two but then we want to sell them for big big money and right now um you know it's unfortunate for these brazilian clubs but they're they're just being forced to sell players at sort of Mm -hmm. basement prices so makes sense to go there back to the to the um this game against red bulls um ball just sort of fortuitously falls to Akinola, but he lashes it wide. I thought or TFC had a good early press that sort of put the Red Bulls on their heels a bit, but then the Red Bulls just kind of relaxed and came into their own. Caden um, Clark steals the ball off Delgado. Ball goes into the box, comes back out, falls to Fabio. Um, that lands to Frankie Amaya, and all of a sudden it's one nothing. I was kind of down on the Amaya signing. Didn't really get the hype, and course scores on his first second (laughs) second game second game i think um and then it just it really looks like too casual from tfc you know like it just they don't seem like they're they're super fussed in this one twice they're stripped of the ball in their own half and twice they pay the price for it so i thought it was a a really good game from the red bulls and is really starting to show what they could be capable of this year and, and sort of going back to their um, they're winning ways from their glory days, and TFC just kind of continues to be a bit of a head-scratcher. And Fabio, who uh, who arrived this year on loan uh, from Brazil, uh, it seems to be the absolute straw that stirs the drink for New York Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Should be said, though, TFC did get a good result against Columbus. <laughs> so the, the highlights for this were so wild because the package already... This is the thing that I didn't understand about the Columbus rebrand, is that mm. it was going to happen, like, tomorrow? Yeah. Like, like yeah, you like know, I, I, I assumed they must have been, okay, well, we're doing it next. This is what we're going to do for next year. But it's like... They, next day, the, all the logos are changed. But it's funny because the the like the MLS highlight MLS soccer YouTube highlights has the new name and the new logo, but the actual broadcast has the old logo and all the players are wearing the old logo. Do yeah. they have jerseys mocked up for this? None of this makes any sense, and they certainly didn't seem to uh, be very coherent on the pitch either. Hmm. No, I mean, I I still thought Toronto looked kind of sluggish at times, but. I, I say that with a massive asterisk beside it, which is like, people have been through a lot. Chill soccer. It's fine to look a little bit sluggish. Chill I've soccer. been looking a Chill little soccer. sluggish. Um, but I felt like they just pounced on their opportunities. I felt like they could have had two or three more. Columbus, again, this is sort of where it's like, they didn't seem too fussed about this match and looked kind of like tentative, like just hesitant. Like, how do we uh-huh. get out of this? How do we attack <laughs> like it just didn't didn't seem to be their day um i don't think a major alarm bells for columbus but it was a bit surprising that i don't feel like tfc came out and played an amazing game and felt like they kind of handled this one somewhat tidily um 
in a game I think a lot of people would have assumed gone the opposite way. Great to see a goal for Altador. I feel like you know with the with the challenges that have happened so far, yeah, it's a good that's a good result for him. Definitely. Uh, it is. It was somehow Nashville is undefeated yet did not pick up a uh, a win until their two nothing result on the weekend against New England. If you ain't winning, just don't be losing. <laughs> but they have finally got one in the win column with um, uh, Lovitz finding Walker Zimmerman at the far post with a long ball forward, and he heads down for Dominique Baji. He gets the first. Uh, gets the first goal. Uh, Buxa hits heads a ball right off the post, but it really just feels that Nashville could sting you in seconds. If you, sure if you left them with that second goal, uh, Alex Mill happens to be in the way of a defensive pass for New England, and he turns and fires instantly. Matt Turner is not in the goal when this happens, and he has to hustle all the way across and can't do it. And it's just one of those situations where it would look like the absolute most comfortable position for New England to be in. And then all of a sudden, oh, dang. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's what a lot of people continue to like about Nashville. I mean, there's times where it's it's not the most attractive or exciting soccer, but they keep things locked down and they they wait for their moments and they're they're quite content, I think, to to get a few draws with not a lot of goals. Um, you know, only six goals for, but only four goals conceded. And I I would say last year defensively they were even stronger than they are this season, but. It's not a not a bad place to be um, to be tying games. The uh, the focus was on the, the the focus was on the the rivalries for much of the um, the weekends, and we had Dallas uh, versus Houston for El Capitan, mm-hmm. the first of the the matches for El Capitan. Um, that ended in a pretty inconclusive one one draw um, with a a goal with a goal from O'Brien. On one side, and, uh, and for, former Dallas man Fafa Pico, woo, with the penalty kick. Yeah, I, I kind of put like you know shared points in Texas, classic. <laughs> like, they just seem to always kind of come out this way. Um, and down I, in California. I, oh, sorry, do you have a point to make? Sorry. No, I was just going to say that I, I feel like you know overall Dallas has looked better. We had some early criticism of that and of them, and I think that they've. They've been able to tighten things up a little bit, and Houston continues to to interest me. You know, like I, we've been sort of down on Houston at times too, and I, I think that they're quietly they've put together a pretty good squad, and I feel like they've got more more to unlock here. I agree with that. They got a nice win against uh, Kansas City on Wednesday. They sure did. I like that game. Um, Arudi with the lone goal. Arudi looks great. And I feel like, is it just me? But like, he looks like he fits there, right? I think I, I said that last week, but I, I just feel like he fits the Houston system really well. I think that it's not that they only, it's not that they need to have one person, you know, it's not even that he's the one person that's being relied upon on attack. It's that he has, he's not so focused on that he can't find any space for himself. And he's, you know, he's too focused on his, you know, making chances for himself, but he also has room to make these amazing, you know, breaks forward and to, and to, mm-hmm. to find himself alone um, with the goalkeeper or with one or two defenders. And I think he did that from time to time with Montreal, but he did not have the same amount of space to do it. 
it, yeah, it, it yeah, was I agree. not something Mon- they worked on doing. Montreal is a much more slower, patient build-up, I feel, and and Houston is ready to just like, turn on the Jets whenever, and that suits him <laughs> just fine. I also thought Houston looked pretty defensively solid. I think the adding Tim Parker... Tim Parker's another player that I feel like, you know, he struggled with the Red Bulls at the end there and, and has come to Houston with a fresh attitude and almost got a goal, too. So, um, Down in California, another rivalry game. Uh, El Trafico, um, LA Galaxy beat LAFC 2-1. Man, they just have LAFC's number, don't they? It doesn't matter that... The day or the the combination of players like LAFC just can't get this monkey off their back. Well, I think that there is a ceiling, you know, especially so like, you know, if you look, eh, LAFC haven't had the worst time of it, but they haven't had, they, they, they have had some troubles putting it together. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in LA Galaxy have lost a game or, or, or two here as well, but I think that they have, they have focused more on trying to, you know, reinforce and build up this idea of a system with Greg Banny. And mm-hmm. they've had some success with it. Um, whereas it seems at times that LA are trying to do the things that they do well, but aren't always finding them as, as reliable as they may have been in the past. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, Chicharito gets the Galaxy off the mark um, in this game. It's just the 11th minute, and it starts with Williams just leaving Cifuentes on the deck with a really perfectly timed sliding tackle, which, to me, at least from the angle that I see, looks pretty offside, and I feel like if it's not Chicharito, that flag is going up every single time. But whatever. Like, when he comes in and strikes the ball, Chicharito looks like he's a step or two behind the defenders. But I guess, uh, I mean, I'm guessing it's close enough that they decided to not overturn it. So maybe the refs, maybe the refs are fine with this one, because the, the thing that I thought of about that is how many sliding tackles are also uh, through ball first assists? Yeah, <laughs> not exactly. too many. It's a great play, and and if we're just giving it points for style, then I'm I'm fine with it. Um, LAFC is not out of it, however, because they just start peppering the goal with shots. Um, they've got really good tight play, and the quick passing certainly gets them chances. Just it's not happening for them, is it? It's, it's the, Love it's their the build opportunity. Up. Yeah, the build ups there, but it's like it just kind of goes nowhere. Um, no sooner than the announcer says the Galaxy can't de- can't keep defending in this low block or they'll concede, then Rossi does just that and scores. So, but um, a little bit of heightened anxiety there. Um, however, Chicharito ends up with a no look pass slash cross to Jonathan DeSantos, who's running in and scores it to win it all. LAFC man, just can't seem to quite put all the pieces together this season currently sitting third from the bottom in the west there are times uh when this game has been you know a a a a boffo spectacle yeah um and i think that you uh can even look at uh in in but this is more tight and more and i think more enjoyable as well yeah i agree with that um what else did we have? Oh, we'd uh, win for Colorado Rapids. Forgot Loved this one. one. This was like this was like a secret almost best game of the week. 
Yeah, this was the Minnesota game before the the Whitecaps played the midweek. Um, Reynoso I have and in my Dotson. Reynoso, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reynoso and Dotson put Minnesota up and things look good. And then they... So it's 2-0. Like this... Minnesota has the chance. They're 2-0 up against Colorado Rapids. And somehow, somehow, they just let it all go. Wow, please watch the top of the box this season. It's just complete chaos. <laughs> with seemingly every player from both teams in the box. And the ball comes out to Acosta, who's like the only player not in the box, who hits it the first time with a really perfect touch. Um, and then the Rapids are back in it because all of a sudden it's 2-1. It's the kind of it's the kind of the header where, uh, where so Raitala clears it off the line, but Minnesota can't, like, fully get it clear out of the box. And it's one of those one of those headers from Gregoosh where it's like, you know, you see every defense, you see it all the time from defenses where it's just like, I'm going to head it up and out and hope that it at least it's not going to be in a, in a dangerous position or that it finds one of my teammates. But you're absolutely right. It lands into that, what has become a, a soft, spongy place at the top of the box. Yeah. And I, I, I got to admit, you know, I think of Kellen Acosta as a, a really quick and smart player, but I don't necessarily think of, of him as a, a deep-lying uh, midfielder slash striker who's ready to hit at one time. But uh, my opinion is quickly changing. He's a, such a fantastic talent. Then there's this big curling ball in. Um, Dane St. Clair doesn't catch it cleanly. Cole Bassett is able to slam it home. All of a sudden, it's 2-2. And you really feel like at this point, you're like, wow, that sucks for Minnesota to throw away three points and end up drawing a game that they were pretty easily winning at one point. And then, <laughs> and then Danny Wilson has this easy, easy header off a free kick. From forty um, yards, not a dangerous position for uh, for Jack Price. It just it just looks like just so casual from Minnesota. Of course, we as we mentioned, they did go on to beat the Whitecaps midweek in a much much better performance. So whatever needed to be said was obviously said to this team, but just uh, a spectacularly bad performance from Minnesota. Um, I thought um, Barrios talking about players that are fitting well. Fitting in well with new clubs, I thought Michael Barrios, uh, formerly of Dallas, looks real great on that wing for the Rapids. Oh yeah, uh, just pace for days. His his ability on and off the ball is, is great. Um, such a good signing for Colorado. A game like this is really one of the things that that I look at. You know, especially it's a home game. A game like this is one of the games that makes you fall in love with the team. You know, who was in that? Who was in that crowd tonight that went oh, yeah. because? It was a thing you could do outside now. Who is who is there because, you know, they may not have ever seen a game before or 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 for whatever reason. And just like that's what that's what turns it, you know, yeah. where it's just like, oh, yeah, this, these are my guys now. Yeah, exactly. A lot more powerful than a rebrand. I can tell you that. Stay golden, <laughs> Colorado. Uh, Miami uh, drew 1-1 against Atlanta. Yep. Not this one. I felt like um, there was not much in this game. I really hate agreeing with Phil Neville so much, but I think he's right about this missed PK opportunity. I'm not sure why it's not given, um, and and it feels 
kind of harsh. It's also one of those things that it's early enough in the season that these things kind of shake out as the the season goes on. But I think he's right to be aggrieved there. Um, it certainly looked like a pretty clear penalty shout for me, but was not to be. So they split the points. Um, <laughs> Joseph Martinez gets his uh, gets his first goal. Um, That's right. From behind, from behind him, leaves Ryan Shawcross looking like a uh, like a palm tree. Um, I like that, I like the palm tree. Just sort of uh, swaying in the, the breeze. breeze. Yes, <laughs> ah, such a good metaphor. <laughs> and then um, Miami went on to play Montreal in midweek and i think it's safe to say that mahalovic is fitting in nicely at montreal yeah um, not every game does he you know super collect like there are some games where he looks frustrated but every game it looks like he's working on something yeah and these incisive deep passes that are coming through these long passes that are, are cutting through the middle are just uh, so 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 good um I, I think it, it definitely brings Montreal up a level. Um, Bjorn Johnson, who is 7,000 feet tall, uh, scores twice in this one. <laughs> very big, big lad. Um, My understanding is that we've lost, uh, we've lost, the, they, they have lost Mason Toy to injury. Right, uh, oh, it was Toy. That's right. It was Brogiard and Toy that didn't play against Vancouver. Mason Toy's out injured. That's correct. And so this was the this was the angle from the Montreal media was that was that this was where we had to um, rely on Bjorn Johnson and here he is to uh, to score twice in in ten minutes pretty good or uh, yeah. eleven minutes pretty good yeah and I mean again I don't like picking on defenders it brings me no joy at all but the second goal is just it's a bad bad giveaway from um, Gonzalo Perez who just. Hasn't looked quite himself, has he? Like, just such a, a an amazing talent, but it f- almost feels like, you know, Atlanta shipping him off and not really willing to, to pay him for his services. He's he's dipped quite a bit, no? Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's just a confidence thing, but uh, th- this one for me was just a, a really bad giveaway. Kyoto picks his pocket, finds Johnson to get um, Johnson's second goal. I agree, but I would also say that Inter Miami just don't look that organized. Like, yeah, I just don't think. Yeah. Like, like I think that there's there's some problems for him, but I think that they're very much like a team that is of the moment. Like, like, like just handling things from moment to moment, and 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 certainly that's going to create problems for any defender. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Montreal now sits at the top of the Eastern Conference, tied in points with New England, but ahead just slightly on goals four. So, despite lo- having lost once, drawn twice, and only winning twice, Montreal finds themselves at the top of the table. Kings um, of the Drive Pink Stadium, Kings of the East. Yeah. I, I think our last MLS game of the of the of the schedule is this. Um, the Sporting Kansas City Austin game that Sporting mm-hmm. Kansas City wins two one with a uh, with an injury time uh, goal from Gotti Kinda um, after Shel- Kyrie Shelton takes a touchdown across huge come from behind win yeah and you know I as much as SKC hasn't really looked themselves um, they definitely needed a win and and you've seen um, flashes of what 
Sporting Kansas City can do, but it hasn't quite come together. And this was a nice one where it all came together. We also had a draw between Orlando and New York City FC. Oh, I thought it was a really great job from Orlando to just stay in this one. Um, and I put, you know, I think they can officially say they run with the big boys now. Like Orlando is one of the top clubs and New York City has been causing a lot of teams, a lot of problems. And I thought this was a really strong performance from Orlando. Um, <laughs> not even That's true. Thing, That's I true. Points, <laughs> I feel like points off them are, points off them are not going to be easy to come by. No, no, not at all. Um, Especially if Nani keeps scoring goals like this. Like, my Woo! God. Um, but also, like, my note here is like, okay, here's the thing. Nobody is going to, like, remember the fact that you were beat by Nani and he scored. So you can get a little tighter on him. Like, <laughs> so what if he spins you? You're going, do you want to look stupid standing still? Or do you want to look stupid making an effort to close him down? Like, <laughs> just close him down a little bit. I know it's hard. I know with a player of that skill and speed, you got to give him a little bit of extra room and give your space yourself some space to react. But it just, as good of a goal as it is, that you feel like Nani's going to score regardless of what happens. Yeah, it's like you gotta at least at least make it look like you're trying. Um, and then I thought New York City really sold a PK here, but Tajuri Shradi does foul the player. It is a PK. Castellanos makes no mistake and is able to get a point out of it. Um, I'm not saying it's not a penalty, but just it, it's. I think again, one where the player knows what he's doing and he's going in for it, but is able to to get it. So. They split the points, and that is that for uh, MLS action. Nice. The one thing that uh, the the other big match of my weekend that I had my eye on was the final of the NWSL uh, Challenge Cup. This has been um, this is a return of their their you know last year the the Challenge Cup was essentially the season mm-hmm. um, with them returning for a fall series, and I. Have seen. I got to see a couple games in the in the course of the Challenge Cup. I have to admit that one of the things that's made it hard for me is this understanding where where it sits with the regular season. Uh, everybody seems to really like it, and it seems to, that the players are really invested in winning it. I think adding more, especially because um, on the women's side of the game, there isn't as much in terms of like a Concacaf Champions League or whatever. I like the idea of having another cup competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and in having starting the season with it is good. I think because of the pandemic things, um, having it be not a having like I kind of assumed that it was going to work like MLS is back. Yeah, where where the um, the games were going to count towards the regular season. So then when I found out that it wasn't part of the regular season, I was like, oh. And also, I think it was a slightly harder for me to keep track of it in slightly more problematic for me that they were doing home market games. Mm. I think that that was part of the draw of the challenge cup is that it was not only could you feel good because you felt that they were all in the bubble and they were pretty safe. Um, but the games were coming on pretty quick. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much like fell into the rhythm of the season and just like, well, we've got the season on and I'm going to do my best to catch the games when I have the opportunity to do so. Um, radio Canada is, is the most reliable source right now, if you don't mind watching in French. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
and I think that uh, and and I got to catch a little bit of that, but it was just kind of like the 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 first Challenge Cup was so much more of a tight like so much of a tighter experience. I thought I felt for me, and it was a little challenging to to pull together and be like, oh, we've got we've got playoffs now yeah. already. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But at the same time, everybody the, the the tournament seems to have been a success and um and the final was quite fun. I really enjoyed it between Gotham New York, New Jersey, Gotham FC everyone's favorite, uh and uh and Portland Thorns who uh won it on penalties. That's right. Good old Captain Christine Sinclair got her early goal in this one and then scored her penalty as well. It's good to see. That goal from Christine, that came from, goal from Sinclair is great. Um, the ball comes out. Uh, she basically completely um, dispossesses Carly, Carly Lloyd, who hits a heavy first touch. Sinclair muscles it away. She takes it off and hits a clean, powerful strike for a goal on the eighth minute. Yeah. Which is just like. Mm. Trademark Sinclair, you love to see it. Um, it's uh, it's Lloyd who scores to draw it up, draw things up. Um, across in finds her in the middle as she's posting off Becky Sauerbrunn. Um, lots of a, lots of attempts for for Simone Charlie. Um, Sinclair finds Rocky Rodriguez out wide in the second half, and it really felt that they absolutely um, Portland turned on the Jets here in the second half. Um, Freeman saving the absolute day for Gotham with a goal line clearance um, that was tremendous. Uh, Simone Charlie scoring a goal that ends up being uh, dis- uh, disallowed for offside. Mm. Um, Morgan Weaver finding comes in for Rocky Rodriguez, finds Sinclair, and Hardchich just nudges it offside. And um, Klingenberg uh, hits the crossbar, but the next taker also hits the corner of the post and it goes out. Uh, oh. Yes. Oh, actually, no, now I've, my, my notes, I've, I've ran ahead to, to penalty kicks. It's Dorsey. It's Dorsey's chance for Gotham that's like the end of the, that's the end of the regular time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Portland with most of the, of the late firepower, Gotham getting one more opportunity. And then, um, it's, and then Klingenberg in penalties is the first uh, person to to sort of step wrong for Portland, uh, hitting the crossbar. But the next person to take for Gotham also hits the corner. Um, Crystal Don equalizes and takes us to extra kicks. Becky Sauerbrunn gets this under gets it under Heritage. Um, now Kawasumi is has her shot saved by an amazing glove stop from Amandine French. Just tremendous. That just. You know, this was at Providence Park, and obviously with a limited attendance, it's not going to have the same... We're not going to be able to have the same pop as some of the, the classic Portland shootouts, but the crowd just roars when she gets her hand on this thing. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, man, there's no better feeling. And then more I've, I've had three people cheer for me saving a PK, and it's the greatest feeling ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think any of them were on my team. They were just passers-by who just happened to be watching the thing. And I was like, oh, this one's for the fans. It's a good feeling. for the fans. Morgan Weaver um, buries her final penalty kick, and they win. Um, 
six five on penalties. Great, uh, great final, great penalties. Um, time to move on to the regular season, I suppose. Yeah, and this is just as you said, kind of like a, an odd timing of it, but certainly you you imagine is gonna um, put some fuel in the tank for Portland Thorns. I'm ready. I I like it, and I I do hope that they bring it back. It's just I think in the pandemic, in the pandemic era, I was just like. Yeah, I mean, there there is a lot of stuff going on, as you said. Like, we both missed the fact there were midweek games. I found out because I saw uh, somebody tweet a Whitecaps starting lineup, and I was like, oh, we're doing this already? Okay. <laughs> Shout so. out to Olivier Tremblay, who does the, the, the play-by-play comments on, on Radio Canada. It was, it's great to hear. It's great to hear them uh, with their with the with the all Canadian setup because the challenge of finding which Twitch channel is in is in Geoblocked is a pain. It's a lot. And that I think brings us to the end of uh of action for this week. Um until next time, which will be in a couple of days, <laughs> when there's more soccer, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter at Team Bates, www.teamhype. Uh, do you want to uh, retake that penalty? Because you came off the line a little early there. www.team-bates.com. Beautiful. Please rate, can... review, and subscribe to this podcast, but don't mention that in the in the review, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe no reviews this week. Wait for next week. <laughs> and you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. That's so MLS. Um, there's stuff there too. Do those things. And until next time, don't get sent off. Don't get sent off. <laughs>